welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this December 2016 episode is U.S. state-based tips and tools. And we will get started over at the Genealogy Insider blog, where managing editor Diane Haddad will ask the question, are you missing the best genealogy websites for finding U.S. ancestors? And then we're going to jump right into our top tips segment where Rick Crome, author of our 75 best state websites list, will share some of his favorites. In our 101 best websites segment, we're going to dig into more websites, but this time ones that have a geographic focus in the U.S. And then in the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Vanessa is going to be back to share tips from some of the on-demand videos on state research. And finally, we will wrap things up at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan, who's going to tell us about one of her favorite U.S. research tools. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the Genealogy Blogosphere with Diane Haddad. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this episode is devoted to U.S. research, and the Genealogy Insider blogger Diane Haddad has been blogging about just this topic. Hi, Diane. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. And I saw that you kicked off the month of December with a great blog post. It's called Are You Missing the Best Genealogy Websites for Finding U.S. Ancestors? Tell us about this. It fits right in. Yeah, we always think of websites like Ancestry.com and FamilySearch, the ones that market themselves a lot. I think a lot of those state genealogy websites that are run by like membership organizations like a historical society or a state government um, like the state archive they kind of just fly under the radar so um, we might be missing some really good resources in those websites yeah and you really kind of lay these out you've got state archives the historical societies the libraries digital library or memory project tell us a little bit what are some of your favorite things that you go looking for Well, um, I think it's important that people search for these kinds of organizations or websites for every state where their ancestors lived. And I kind of talk about how you just Google the state and then State Archive or State Historical Society. So it's easy. Um, Sometimes it can be hard to figure out. For example, with Ohio, our State Historical Society is the State Archive. So um, sometimes that structure can be, it can vary a little bit state by state, and so that makes it a little bit hard to figure out what is each organization supposed to have. Our state right. library doesn't actually have much in the way of genealogy. It's a service for libraries. So as you look at the websites for your ancestor state, you'll kind of get a feel for what is available from each organization. Exactly. Like here in Texas, it's the Texas State Library and Archive. Which I love. Rolled in together. (laughs) I have some ancestry in Texas. (laughs) Yeah. And I know when I lived out in California, I used to go to the State Library in Sacramento. And oh my gosh, you walk in there, and you go through the double doors, and there are banks and banks of these cabinets full of the microfilm rolls of all these newspapers yeah. collecting from all over the state. So I know it varies from archive and library, you know, from one to the next, but 
wow, when you walk in and you see something like that. And, and these are records that just are not online. Yeah, some of them aren't. But increasingly, the these organizations are um, trying to put their records online or at least indexes. So I have a couple examples in this blog post, but Indiana's, their state library, for example, has indexes to marriage records and military records. You can find, talking about the digitized newspapers site, sometimes states will have like the Colorado Historic Newspapers collection or the Utah Digital Newspapers. Um, So not every state has those, but um, they are very good resources where you can search for actual digitized copies of newspapers. The Digital Library or Memory Project, a lot of times a site like that will be, it will collect digital records from organizations all around a state, and then perhaps the state library or state archive will oversee this website. So the Missouri Digital Heritage Project is a really good example of that type of website. Yep, absolutely. Well, after everybody gets done listening to this episode, head over to the Genealogy Insider blog and read Are You Missing? The Best Genealogy Websites for Finding U.S. Ancestors, and it'll help you get ready to hit the road and go check out some of these great locations. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Diane, and we will talk to you in the new year. Sounds great. In our top tip segment, we have the perfect article to dig into for this episode. It's that's all devoted to state research. In the December 2016 issue of Family Tree Magazine, the article called America the Digitized features the 75 best state websites list for 2016. And here to tell us more about it is the author himself, Rick Kroom. Hi, Rick. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Rick, I love this list because I can jump to the state where I'm currently researching and immediately dig into some of the best digitized content for genealogy. I'd love to know what are some of the trends that you saw this year as you were compiling the list? Um, Each year we compile a list of the 75 best state-focused websites for finding your U.S. ancestors. And again, this year all of these sites are free. And the sites are always useful. They tend to have um, information like databases, indexes that you can search for a name in your family tree. But there is a clear trend. A lot of state archives, museums, and libraries are creating more of what they call memory websites or digital archives. So instead of having just textual material, now they're focusing on digitized records and photographs. So you can find a lot more interesting biographical information than you used to. Yeah, you really get that social history. I love that where you can see the places and all the ephemera that's out there that's been digitized and scanned. And I noticed that you said in your opening paragraph on the article that a lot of these sites have nearly doubled in size since the last time you took a look at them. Yes, we have some new sites as well as some returning favorites. And uh, well, a couple of my favorite sites are online newspaper archives, and um, I always find these really useful because you can search for a name and cover millions of pages of newspapers at once, and you might turn up you know, interesting articles in newspapers and maybe cities you never would have thought to check. And two of my favorite online newspaper collections are two of our 75 
best websites this year again. Um, Old Fulton, New York Postcards, despite the name, it actually focuses on New York newspapers from all over the state, and they have some newspapers from other places as well. But that site has um, more than 35 million newspaper pages now. That's more than 5 million than last year. Another one of my favorite newspaper sites, the California Digital Newspaper Collection, is also growing fast. It now has more than 15 million articles, almost twice as many as last year. I know, and I love that one because I have a lot of research to do in California, and I'm always amazed when I go back to that site how many new things I find. So newspapers, fantastic. What other kinds of things really stood out to you this year as you were compiling the list? Um, There's a new site on the list. Uh, One of the new sites is called Iowa Digital Library Civil War Diaries and Letters. And so you can go to this site and actually read letters the Civil War soldiers wrote home to their families. And it's really interesting. Um, For example, reading through them, I came across um, a letter that Andrew F. Davis sent to his wife on May 9, 1861, and he describes his fellow soldiers. He writes, A great many are genteel, well-dressed, gentlemanly men, and then again there is a great many of the most abandoned, dirty, ragged, lousiest-looking mortals that you ever (laughs) saw. (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. It really gives you a sense of what a kind of motley crew a lot of those Civil War soldiers probably were. You know, most of them, of course, weren't professional soldiers, and they came from all classes of society, I imagine, maybe more from the middle and lower classes even. And he had a real way with the words. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And one of the ones I noticed that, you know, some of these states have multiple sites, some have just one. And um, North Dakota jumps out because there is a new site on the North Dakota list, Digital Horizons. I'd love to hear about that because I, I have a real interest in those Germans from Russia. Oh, yes. And I actually live um, right from North, um, just a few miles from the North Dakota border and have North Dakota ancestors myself. Um, yeah, that Digital Horizons is one of the new websites on the list, and it has town and county histories, photos of homesteaders, and oral interviews conducted with Germans from Russia dating back to the 1800s. And so there are a lot of items on that site depicting life on the northern plains. Um, Another one, I think it's a returning site on the list, is from Montana, the Montana Memory Project. Whenever I come across one of these new sites, I always check it for my last name, Kroom, since it's not very common, just to see what I come up with. And on this site, I did get a match. This site has digitized newspapers, yearbooks, prison records, photographs, and um, other items from archives across the state. And the match I found was from records of the Montana State Prison from 1869 to 1974. And it wasn't a member of my immediate family, but a relative whose name I recognized. So this was in records of the Montana State Prison. And it turned out to be a really interesting record. 
um, it shows that this fellow was convicted of forgery in 1940, and he was sentenced to two and a half years in prison. And it says that he forged a check for $80. And the record gives a detailed physical description. It says he was 19 years old, 5 feet, 8 and 3 quarter inches tall, 164 pounds, gray eyes, dark brown hair, of Irish descent. It also has mug shots showing front and side views. And um, this person is no longer living. And I thought it might be interesting to send it forward it to one of his sons, so I did that. Maybe that wasn't a good idea. He didn't seem really um, <laughs> uh, really happy about finding that record, and it was completely a complete surprise to him. But when you find something like that, that that's pretty interesting, and that you can, you can just go to one of these sites and find you know a detailed physical description of a relative and maybe some biographical information that turns out to be pretty surprising to everybody in your family. Oh, absolutely. That's a great example of the kinds of treasures that are out there and that are constantly being added to the web. And and that's the exciting thing about what we do with family history is that there's so much more to discover every single day. I know all of you listening are going to want to dig into this list because even for, as Rick said, the returning sites, there's all kinds of new great stuff. And he's got some really great new sites on here. The article is called America the Digitized. It's in the December 2016 issue of the magazine. And Rick, thank you so much for putting this list together. We're going to just love it. Thank you, Lisa. When researching across America, it's important to get a lay of the land. And in this 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, author David Frixell is going to help us do just that. Welcome back, David. Thank you. Great to be here. Hey, I know that you scour a ton of websites as you're compiling that 101 Best Websites list each year. And I'll bet that you come across some pretty cool geography websites. So I'd love to hear what are some of your favorites. Interestingly, you know, a lot of the uh, sites that we keep adding that are new or that, that are doing cool things, a lot of them involve geography, which, of course, is really important for, you know, genealogy. You have to figure out not only when your ancestors did things, but where, if you're going to find the records. Uh, and these sites are, are really helpful for that. One of the ones that is a favorite for us is the Atlas of Historical County Boundaries, which is actually it's a site from the... Uh, Newbury Library in Chicago. And what's great about that is that it lets you trace the you know, ever-shifting movement of county boundaries. And if you've ever researched, particularly in states, let's say, you know, more towards the eastern part of the United States, I've got North Carolina ancestors. And I, I think their county boundaries changed like 50-something times over you know, about 100 <laughs> years. It's like, oh, then it was this county, and now then it split off to part of this county, and then I mean, it's just incredibly confusing, and your ancestors' records may or may not have traveled along, you know, so you have to figure out what was where when. And this has all kinds of interactive ways to let you figure out, okay, in this year, you know, what county, was that in Craven County or Moore County or both or where, you know. Um, so it's, it's really super for uh, letting you figure that out and, you know, all across America. 
Yeah. And I know that that site is kind of going under, it's under renovation right now. They're really making some big improvements to it. And so even though the interactive app, or, you know, the, the app online, that, which is a big map that you can deal with, um, it may or may not be up and running at any particular time, but you can always download those files and drop them into Google Earth and you can still use them. You can pick the time and go cool. the place. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, it, it does seem to be, uh, you know, undergoing a lot of renovation, but yeah. you know, the basic facts are there. And, uh, you know, presumably it'll be, you know, better. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Great choice. Okay. What's your next favorite? Well, then kind of the opposite. And then that's sort of, you know, a high techy kind of thing. Um, there's a thing called the Atlas of the Historical Geography of the United States that the University of Richmond has done. And it's, it's a historical atlas, first published in 1932. And so, because it's, it's old, um, but it also it traces things before 1932. Um, it's got nearly 700 maps, and they're now all online. And they're, it has a high-tech twist, too, because they're clickable. So you can view the underlying data, or they're animated, so you can see how America changed um, over time. So it's really cool, because it's a, you know, it's a 1932 um, book, and I'm sure the people who created it had never imagined you know, that it would be like that. Um, but here it is online and with all kinds of, you know, high-tech gizmos and uh, so forth. So uh, it's a, another great way to sort of glimpse into your ancestors' past and yeah. what the world looked like. I love what they say on their site, old atlas, new functionality. Exactly. <laughs> that's so yeah. true. It's really neat. It's really neat. It is. So that's dsl.richmond.edu. So that's the, the main site. And then it's slash historical atlas. Great Correct. choice. Okay. And next one? Well, people may already be familiar with this because we've written about it before, but it's worth reminding people that the Bureau of Land Management has just a bonanza of land office records online at their uh, gloRecords.blm.gov site. It's basically all the federal land records, which is pretty much everything except the original 13 colonies, and includes more than 5 million land titles dating from 1820, actual images of survey plats, field notes as old as 1810. So you can go on there and figure out, you know, okay, uh, great-great-grandpa owned this land. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know he'd filed a homestead claim. And, oh, look at these people who were his neighbors. And, uh, gee, I wonder if they married into the family. <clears throat> you know, so the, uh, you know, so it's really the ultimate source for land records all in, in one place with just terrific detailed maps, like, you know, field notes that describing the things at the time just a really amazing, again, sort of snapshot of, you know, various points in, uh, in time in the U.S. past. Oh, yeah. And there again, there's another example of a website that has really improved over the years. They've added so much more. And even their search engine is, is more robust. So that's really cool. Okay, awesome. We've got time for one more. What have you got for us? Well, let's not forget, speaking about the government, the U.S. Geological Survey, which is at usgs.gov. Now they have satellite images, uh, which complement the, you know, they're, they're a wow factor. And this is home to the National Atlas, the Geographic Names Information System, and the National Map. So you can basically, you know, you come across those obscure place names, you know, oh, you know, and then they bought, you know, moved to Deep River. Well, where's Deep River? I have no idea. Um, well, you can search Deep River in the correct state and, and find it, and then find it on the map. And, you know, create customized maps and now even view it, you know, with satellite. So 
for all those sort of obscure places where your ancestors lived that may not be there anymore, you know, you want to figure out, well, what's there now? Where the heck is this place? Because they can be pretty obscure as places have, you know, changed over time. But here, your uh, friends at Uncle Sam at work here have uh, created another cool tool. Yeah, and and a good example of the fact that some of the best info to help you with your genealogy research comes from totally non-genealogy websites. So we've got to really expand our thinking. And when you get to the USGS under products, uh, you look at maps. So that's kind of where you dig into it, because there's a lot of other stuff there as well. Right. Oh, yeah, there's there's a there's a wealth of material there. And, you know, that sometimes that can be a problem. There's too much. It's like, where do I go? Where do I, exactly. you know? Exactly. Uh, but uh, it's also it's fun to explore. You know, you can sort of get uh, you know, suddenly the afternoon is gone as you've clicked around and, you know, created maps and zoomed over and found, oh, that's where that, well, that's what that, you know. Um, oh, so so it's, a, it's a fun thing. But, yeah, and you're right, you know, it, we're more and more we're finding sites that aren't necessarily genealogy sites. You know, we're not necessarily their target audience, but don't overlook them because they can be awfully useful. Absolutely. And we will have links to all of the sites that David has just been telling us about in the show notes for this episode. Wonderful ideas. Oh my gosh, we are going to just lose a whole evening doing this, but what a happy way to go. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Here in the Family Train Magazine Crash Course segment, Vanessa is back to share some tips for U.S. research from some of the recent Family Tree University webinars. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. You know, I know as uh, Dean of Family Tree University, you get a chance to sit in on all those wonderful webinars that are, and a lot of them I know that you do, are focused on state research. So I'd love to have you share with us, what are some of the key things that you kind of have learned along the way as you've gotten that opportunity to sit in on those? Oh, I've learned so much, actually, about the different states specifically. Like last night, I was just in the one for Illinois um, with Paula Stewart Warren. That was fantastic. Learned a lot about the history and how that goes with how the history drives some of the records that you get. Um, so that's one of the important things is knowing your state history and learning this, some of the relevant history for the state of your ancestors that you're researching in. So... You know, one of the fun facts that we discovered in one of these webinars is that we tend to think of the, you know, American settlements starting in the East with Jamestown and the 13 colonies. But in actuality, there was also Dionate in 1598 in New Mexico with the Spanish. And that might not drive a lot of the documentation per se, but it's important to know and it does impact the heritage of people in the Southwest. So that's one of the reasons why it's really good to know the history of the state, even before it was a state. Yeah, exactly. And, and of course, some of these events, as we learn them about, you know, go through history and kind of get up to speed, a lot of them do generate records. And that gives you some clues as to what to be looking for, because it is unique to each state, isn't it? It is like one of my favorite ones in my own family is tracing back the line to I was so confused for a, a bit because I, I kept seeing Virginia and then I'd see West Virginia and it was the same place. And I realized it was because of the Civil War that was where West Virginia split off from Virginia and became a state in itself. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it, it's, it's like when we realize that, uh, oh, we need to go research a particular town. And then you have to remember that that town could be in a completely different county at that time frame, right? So it's all about what the, the lines were in the years that you're researching. 
Absolutely. And if nothing else, sometimes even if you don't find specific records, it can add context to your ancestor's life as well. Um, It can inspire some knowledge of, you know, social history. And that's important to understand the context of what they were living through. Right. And of course, there's geography, uh, just getting to know the lay of the land. Do you guys talk about that in the webinars as well? We do sometimes, yes. Um, and sometimes, of course, it affects it more than others or it becomes more of an issue than others. But, you know, you have the things like a big city will tend to bring a big population. Like in, in Illinois, for example, you've got Chicago, which is a huge city. But our tendency for things like Chicago and New York is to think of them as almost a whole state, and they're very much not. Right. Oh, absolutely. And of course, geography is also promoting migration, you know, the way in which people travel. And there are, I think one of the things that a lot of people who are new to genealogy come to learn very quickly is there were some paths that people definitely followed. It wasn't just like everybody scattered. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. You've got the river routes, you know, Cincinnati, where I'm at is a big river town. So when you had the steamboats, you had that, you have railroads, you even have economic things and opportunities for jobs and occupations, such as with the railroad or coal miners, for example. Um, So people went very much where the jobs were. And a lot of times that's affected by the geography. Yeah, and their ethnicity too, because I was just in um, Illinois in a little town where my great grandfather was a coal miner, and it was a big draw to Germans. Uh, there were definite pockets of, of different ethnicities of folks who kind of came together. And that can also kind of help you if you, you know, your ancestors are German, or you know, they're Italian, then there might be certain professions they lean towards or certain towns where they all kind of congregated and moved together. Absolutely. My family has, I have a Welsh family of Welsh descent. It isn't surprising that they settled in Kentucky, where there is a lot of coal mining as well. And how about records? What kinds of uh, things do you guys talk about in terms of records? Oh, the records are, uh, you know, in a large bulk of these webinars, of course, because everybody wants to know what the unique records are that come from these states. So it's really important to understand and do some research beforehand into what the available records are. You want to learn the start dates for specific types of records. Um, One of the things to look at is did they do a state census or even a territorial one um, prior to statehood? You know, there's also the fact that most state records are at the county level, but it's not always the case. And as you mentioned earlier, sometimes counties shift or like a city won't be in the same county as it was at that time. So, An important part of that is learning what records the state has, and some of them have some very unique records, and also to find out what the main repositories are for those states. I remember, you know, this came up as a big key thing with the Missouri State webinar because we had Dennis Northcott join it, who is one of the curators at the Missouri History Museum. And the knowledge that is held there and the genealogy aspect is huge. So it's important to learn things like what type of records there are, where they're located, um, finding libraries and museums that may have the collections, and whether or not they're accessible online. Right. 
and doing your research ahead of time so that you're kind of looking into the right places. I mean, uh, I imagine every state is so unique. And that's why you end up doing these webinars for each individual state, um, because they all have their own special nooks and crannies to go and look for. And, and when you do the webinars, I know you do them live, but you also record them, right? We do. We record them so that people get them after the live webinar so they can refer back to them. We also put them up for sale so that in our shop so people can access them and purchase them at a later date, if, especially when you find out, oh, actually, now that I've traced it back, I do have family in North Carolina. Oh, I do have family in Virginia. So they're always accessible. Um, look for sales. Uh, yeah. <laughs> especially around uh, Christmas time. You never know what may be on sale. And you can get the recordings. They're all an hour long each. And with the live ones, you get the benefit that you can also ask questions. Yes. Which, of course, is wonderful. We all have our unique questions that we are working on for the individual states where we're working. And and if you find yourself uh, listening to this and realizing, yeah, my family, I'm realizing now they were in this other state and that's a new territory for you, you might want to head to shopfamilytreaty.com because they have these webinars, like Vanessa said, recorded and available. So you can really sit down and dig into them and listen to them over and over and refer back to them as you continue to search in that state. Well, Vanessa, thanks so much for sharing. What a what an awesome job you have to be able to sit in and listen to all these wonderful experts talk about state research. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Let's wrap up this episode devoted to U.S. research at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Hey, I noticed that you have an awesome book. It's in the Shop Family Tree store called The Family Tree Historical Maps Book. And this looks perfect for U.S. research. Tell us about it. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. And not just because it has my name on the front as the the lead author. Um, Maps, obviously, are great resources for genealogy. But they're also really fun because there's just a window into the past of our ancestors' lives. Because if you're looking at historical maps, it's basically an artifact. And so this book um, is for the entire United States. There's a section for each state in the book, and it covers the time span of the 1790s to roughly 1900. So you get to see how borders evolved over that time period and have an understanding of um, you know, the different jurisdictions of your from your ancestors time, as well as just like seeing how artistically the maps changed over time, I think is an interesting window into that period of our ancestors lives. So it's a great resource. And um, I, I think it's like eye candy for genealogists, right? It's like all yeah. these um, maps with the antique styling and the colors and everything. It's just really a lovely book. Um, I think for any genealogist bookshelf. And I was noticing that as I was reading about the book that it says there's a comprehensive index list of the title and online source of each map so that you can view the map of interest in greater detail. So you can really zoom in and, and dig even further into it. Yeah, so that's a really great point, Lisa. I, I know some um, of our readers have picked up the book and said, Oh, the type is so small, it's really hard to tell. And it's like, well, Of course, you can only make a book so big without it becoming completely impractical. Um, So you have to find that balance between 
being able to show the entire section of geography that you want to show, getting the labels somewhat readable and putting it in a package that is um, comfortable for a reader to use. And so that's why that index exists. These maps largely exist on the internet in much greater detail, but we could never print them in a book that way. So this gives you the best of both worlds. You can have it sort of at the reference size in this um, eight and a half by 11 book and then use the index. So any area that you want to zoom in more on more closely you can go to the web to do that using the index. Yeah, that's a really neat feature. And in fact, when you head to shopfamilytree.com, and we'll have the link specifically to the book and the ebook uh, in the show notes, click the Google preview button. It's right underneath the picture of the book. And you can go in here and really, one, see these gorgeous maps. They really are just amazing. But also the timelines. I love these key dates. It really brings time frame and location all together. And it just surrounds your ancestors. This is going to be a wonderful resource. Thank you, Allison. Hey, have a wonderful new year. And we'll talk to you in the new year. Sounds great. Thanks so much for joining me for this December 2016 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. To get the show notes, which will include information and website links for everything that we talked about on today's episode, head to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website. It's called Genealogy Gems. And you will find it at genealogygems.com. And you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available in iTunes. And we have an app for that. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.